You're listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Uh, you got look, dude. You gotta you gotta flip the switch. How's everybody doing? There you go. There you go. Welcome to Vintage Church. If it's your first time worshiping with us, thank you. You could be anywhere else, but you are here, and we are so excited that you are. If you're a regular, hey, put your hands together if you're a regular. Let me hear it. Amen. Amen. We love y'all too. Man, isn't it awesome being the house of the Lord? The psalmist writes, I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. Man, people don't, ain't enough people get excited about coming to church anymore. What's wrong with that? Some of y'all look like you need to see a proctologist. Come on, flip a switch. We're in the house of God. We're in the presence of an almighty God this morning. Amen? Amen. Hey, that's good. Hey, he's too good not to share. Amen? Where's Barry at? That'll preach, Barry. You can use that if you want to. All right. Y'all ready? Before we get started, we've got a couple things to take care of. we got a team in Haiti. I bet y'all ain't prayed about it for them all week, have you? Huh? Let me hear if you've been praying for a team in Haiti. Amen. Amen. Man, we got a crew. If you don't know, we, we send a team to Haiti every other year. We got a crew down there. They got down there uh, last Wednesday, coming home this coming Wednesday, getting after it, winning souls for Christ, building stuff for Jesus in between. Amen? That's what it's all about. Hey, look, if you can't think of nobody to pray for this week, you pray for our team in Haiti because they need to pray and you probably need to practice. All right? <laughs> oh, me. Um, also, that's where Matt's at, too. I ain't Matt, if you ain't noticed. I like cheeseburgers. He don't. Um, <laughs> he's down there with us, so y'all pray for them. Also, this is uh, week two, part two of our new series, This Not That. Let me hear if you got a blessing last week. You can't judge me. Let me hear it. Yeah, if you don't know, if you just joined us. We're doing a series on passages of Scripture that have been unbelievably distorted throughout time. And, and you know, last night it hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, I, whenever I have to preach, I try to find something to pray about, you know, the time leading up. But last night it hit me like a ton of bricks. Man, one of the things I really hope happens out of this series is that people start digging in the Word. I've always been a proponent of don't let somebody tell you what the Bible says. Read it yourself. We live in a day and age where you can get the Bible in any language, any format, at the touch of a button. Right? Smartphone, iPad, King James, whatever. And yet we live in the most biblically ignorant generation on earth. Why is that? Why is that? We got scripture being distorted because we got too many people trying to tell everybody what the Bible says and not enough people reading and seeing what it says for itself. All right? And so my prayer is for this series that you dig into the Word, that you find out what it actually says, and that God uses it to change your life. Amen? That's what it's all about. What it's all about. Um, if you've known me very long, you know that I don't, I don't, I, I don't use, can't usually string two sentences together without talking about my grandma and my grandpa. You know, they, they were the most influential people in my life, raised me, looked after me, whooped me, 
<laughs> all those things. And, uh, you know, they made a huge impact on my life. And, and I'm going I'm to start out with a little story about my grandpa. And, um, bear with me. Might get me a little bit. But um, as I was preparing for this message, this, this, kinda, this, this story just jumped out at me. Um, I remember the night my, grand, my grandpa passed, I was sitting at home, my wife, and got a phone call, and uh, it was my brother-in-law. He said, it's your grandpa, you need to, need to get over here fast. And so I jumped my truck, and I, I drove. I'm from Montgomery County, and a little place called Ofer, right in the middle of the URA National Forest, real tight-knit community. Uh, everybody knows everybody, and uh, born and raised there, and grew up there, and love it. Gonna hope I die there. Um, but I went, drove, middle of the night, dodging deer left and right, you know, got, got to Ofer and, and pulled up and went in. There, my, there was my grandpa, you know, sitting in his chair. If you got grandparents, you know that one of them's got a chair, right? You know what I'm talking about. And he had his chair over here. My grandma had her chair over here. And they had been watching Jeopardy and Will of Fortune, you know, like they did every night. And, uh, and he just, he died in his sleep right there, fell asleep. She was probably talking and he fell asleep, passed away right there. And, and just the way he wanted and I, don't, I, don't, I never worried about, about my grandpa because he was the most godly man I ever knew. And, and my grandma, same way, you know, we're in the Word every day, praying for me and praying over me and, and, and just, just godly people. And um, he passed away. And I remember going there that night, you know, and as the funeral home came and, and everything and all that transition we had, because it's a tight-knit community, had a lot, of, a lot of neighbors and kinfolk coming to the house and, you know, just paying their respects, bringing food and washing dishes and stuff and, I don't know if y'all do that when people die where you live. That's how it is in Oprah. They come clean your whole house. Somebody dies. Yeah, it's unbelievable. If it's daylight, they'd mow the yard. I mean, it's, it's crazy. But, you know, in tight-knit communities, they can be good and bad, right? Because there's always one. There's always one person in a community, right? You know what I'm talking about. That one person that can't nobody stand. Well, this is this 80-year-old lady. I know this is going to sound like I'm picking on 80-year-old people, but I, I love all y'all. I promise. But, but. This one, when she, she got on everybody's nerves, well, she was the first one there. Showed up, and I was sitting beside my grandma, and she walked over to my grandma. She got down in her face, and she said, Mary Lee, my grandma's name, Mary Lee, she said, Mary Lee, the Lord won't give you more than what you can bear. And then she looked at me and said, that's in the Bible. Turned and walked out. Now, let me preface what I'm about to say with this. I know she meant well. Okay, it still doesn't take away the need that I wanted to choke slam her. All right. See, I, I was a pastor then. I, I knew what the scripture said, and I knew how she had just butchered it. All right. That's not what the Bible says. You know that, right? How many of you heard, the Lord won't give you more than what you can bear? How many, raise your hand. Raise them high. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Yeah, yeah. That ain't what it says. It doesn't say that. It doesn't. And as I was preparing for this, this message, that story popped in my head. And I, and I couldn't help but think of, of man, she butchered that, 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 that passage. But how many people get turned away from God because somebody else butchers a different part of what God's Word says? You know? You see, I got some rules. When it comes to quoting the Bible. Rule number one, quote it correctly. Rule number two, quote it in context. I'm sorry about making her cry. <laughs> and rule number three, 
refer back to rules one and two. Okay? We can't butcher scripture, people. We can't twist it and distort it and make it to fit us. The Bible doesn't conform to our life. Our life is to conform to the Word of God. So are you ready? 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We'll begin at verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We'll begin at verse 12. The Bible says, So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your holy word. God, we thank you for this time together. God, I pray that you would give me the words you would have me say. God, that you would cleanse my heart and help me to convey the message that you have laid on my heart to, today. God, so that we may take it and run with it and use it to make the kingdom bigger. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Three things I want to share with you about this passage. Let's look at how this passage starts. The Apostle Paul wrote these words through the divine inspiration of God Almighty. And look at what he says here. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. You know, I think one of the reasons this scripture has been distorted over the years is, is exactly what the, the way it starts. You see, I, I, read, I read a while back, a good while back, I remember on my 27th birthday, I read this article that said, when, the, when a human turns around 27 and a half years old, your body changes, and you start losing more cells than you make. I was depressed. It, it, that's where the aging process reverses, is around 27 and a half. And it made me think, you know, I never get to, in my physical life, get to a place in my life where I get to say, you know what, God? I'm good, man. Hey, I'm 26, and I'm making 26 look good. You just leave me right here, God. I don't need to get any older. People couldn't stand if I got any prettier. Right? We don't get to do that, do we? Why do we try to do that with our walk with God? Man, I'm telling you, humans are funny. We'll, we'll, we'll get to going good, and life will be going good, and we'll think things are great, and all of a sudden, guess what happens? Old chest starts to stick out a little bit, right? We start thinking we're, we're worth a little more than what we are, and we start thinking, you know what? I'm beyond falling. I'm beyond tripping. I'm beyond having something knock me off my own pedestal. Well, what's Paul say here? What's he say? Watch out. Watch out. Be careful. If you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. You see, the moment you think you're not vulnerable, the fall is just inches away. The fall is just inches away. And I think that births this ability to twist Scripture to say, you know what, God won't give you more than what you can bear. He won't. So you just keep that chest stuck out. 
You keep thinking that you're doing everything that you're supposed to do and everything will work out. That's not how it goes, people. That's not how it goes. Let's keep reading. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, the Bible says, Be alert and of sober mind. The enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You see, the moment we think we got it all figured out, the moment we think we're invincible, bam, it hits us right between the eyes. And, and one of the things that, that, that hit me when I was looking at this part of the Scripture was, man, it made me think, get your hands up. Anybody watch UFC? Right? Or boxing? First, the, what you always hear the trainer saying, get your hands up. Get your hands up. Because that blocks your face. we got to start getting our hands up spiritually and be ready for the storms and the temptations and the tests and the trials that life is going to bring us. We're going to get ready to tell some people. Who remembers Mike Tyson Punch-Out? Raise your hand. Mike Tyson Punch-Out, yes. Was that not one of the greatest video games of all time? Does anybody remember the first person that you faced when you started boxing? Nobody got this first service. What? Glass Joe. Who is, dude, give that dude a t-shirt. That is awesome. Glass Joe. Glass Joe. Imagine you're a boxer and your name has glass in it. That's not good. Okay? Glass Joe. He, he weighed about 80 pounds soaking wet. You know what, what stuck out to me about him? You know where he held his hands when he was waiting on you to punch him? Around his belly button. This is how he punched. Like that. You could time him with a sundial. That's how slow he was. Who's going to place money on a boxer that holds his hands around his belly button? Nobody. And that's why if you knew the secret pattern, you could knock him down with one punch. He was the easiest guy on the whole game to beat because he never had his guard up. The moment you become a child of God, the moment you place your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ, let me tell you something. The bullseye on your back quadruples, and it's time to get your guard up. It's time to get your hands up. It's time to quit walking through life thinking you got it all figured out and you only need what you think you need of God instead of needing all of who God is each and every second of your life. You, do, you want to be able to make it through temptations? You want to be able to make it through trials? You want to be able to make it through tests? Get your hands up and know that they're a part of life. They're not something we get to avoid. Number two, Paul goes on to say, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Except what is common to mankind. There's a truth here. God's Word's telling us that when those tests and those temptations and those trials of life come, that they've all come before. There's nothing new that can come at us that hasn't already hit somebody else before. There's even a phrase in the book of Ecclesiastes. There's a phrase called, nothing new under the sun. In Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 9, it says this, What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. 
Ecclesiastes 1, verse 9. Nothing new under the sun. You know what that tells me? Is that the same storm I'm in, somebody else has already gone in, already gone through, but guess what? God already had a solution then too. Which means he'll have one now. You know, it's very selfish of us to think that only bad things happen to us. Or it's very easy for us to say, you know what, God? Why me? Why me, God? Instead of, what do I need to learn from this, God? How much closer do I need to get to you, God? Let me, let me tell you this story. Rebecca and I hadn't been married long. We were both teaching. And we were broke. We were poor teachers. Um, Tilly was born. She was about six months old. And it was summertime. And I was coaching football. Came home from football practice one day. Walk in, got my wife and a six-month-old baby in the house. And air conditioning going out. Heat and air going out. Okay, maybe that's not a big deal for y'all. Let me, let me say, I had a wife, a six-month-old. I come home, it's the middle of summer, it's like 90 degrees outside, no air conditioning. I mean, that will be a big deal for y'all. I'm a fat guy. I need air conditioning. Okay? And, you know, called up, a couple places, yes, you need a new unit, be about $4,000. I didn't have $4,000. $4,000. I mean, it was like, suck it up, buttercup, get you a fan, you know? But there, I mean, I'm, I'm the dad, right? Like, I'm the husband. I got to provide. You know, we, we didn't, <clears throat> didn't want to go out and charge it up on a credit card. We didn't have $4,000 laying around. And, and I remember just being frustrated. And hot, sweaty. But I remember going in the living room and getting on my knees and leaning on the couch and just saying, God, I ain't got $4,000. I got a baby that's crying, that's hot. I got a wife smoking hot. <clears throat> I ain't got $4,000. And I got up and I was like, what am I going to do? About 20 minutes later, Phone rang, and it was an answer to prayer. We got our heating and air fixed. Now, now I, I ain't saying that you're going to pray and God's going to just shower down a new air conditioner on you. I hope he does, but may not. I keep my house 66 in January, so I, I, I love some, some air conditioning. But my point is, I got to a place where I didn't have an answer. I didn't have the solution. Casey couldn't fix this one. And what got me through it was turning to the one who can. And when the Apostle Paul is writing this, this scripture, and he says, be careful, watch out, lest you fall. And when he says that there's nothing new under the sun that's going to come at you, he's setting us up for the final part of this passage when he says he will not let you be tempted 
God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. Now I want you to think about this. This does not say God won't let you, won't, won't uh, let anything fall on you that's more than what you can bear. That's not what he's saying here. Because then, here's why. That makes it all about you. How much you can bear. How much you can do in that storm. How much you can take. Last time I checked, God ain't all about you. Last time I checked, Christianity ain't all about you. This Bible's not written all about you or me. This Bible's about God. It's all about Him. And when I read the last part of this passage, I have the assurance of knowing that when trials come, when storms come my way, that God is faithful to provide a way out and the strength for me to stand. You see, God will never let us be tempted or tested beyond our ability to escape. Do you understand that? What kind of God would that be? To save us and then put us in a situation that's unwinnable. You see, there are things we can't handle on our own. God puts us there to force us to lean on Him. If you're a child of God here this morning, the Bible tells us that the moment we accept Jesus Christ, the very moment we accept His work on the cross, that the Holy Spirit indwells us. It fills us. And in the Gospel of John, the writer tells us that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead flows within us. There's a reason why Jesus told the apostles, hey, yeah, I've done great things, but you will do greater things than I have ever done. There's a reason. And it's because God is in control. Yes, there will be things we face that are beyond our power. There will be times when we will be in over our head. But listen to me, church, we won't be over God's head. Because God is able. There will be times when we don't have the strength or the energy to stand. But God will stand for us. He will be our strength because God is able. There will be opportunities that will come our way when we don't have the words to even pray. But God will be there. He will be our strength. He will be our words. He will be our escape. The Bible says all we have to do is lean on Him. Lean on Him, church. The point of this passage is not to think you can go through life going, you know what, I, I'm a child of God. God's never going to give me anything more than what I can bear. Look at every hero of the faith. Abraham, Moses, Joshua, David, the prophets, the apostles, look at them. Every single one of them was in over their head. Every single one of them was pushed to the brink. But they chose to lean on God. That's what makes them heroes of the faith. Church, where are you? Where are you? 
God tells us he'll never put us in anything without providing a way out. How many of you love Japanese food? Man, uh, I love me some Japanese food. How many of you remember Arigato when it used to be Kyoto? Remember? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I remember the first time I ever went there. I was like, I don't know, 10 or 11. You know how when you got more than, than, your, than your party, they'll put like two parties together at one table? Is there a better idea than a table around a grill? I'm pretty sure that's what heaven's going to look like. Big table with a grill in the middle. God with the top, the chef hat on. This will be awesome. Flipping them things around. Yeah. I remember the first time I got, I went there, I was sitting on the end. I remember, you know, it was my grandparents and my sister, and there was this other family, a husband and wife and two kids. One looked like he was in high school, and this little girl was about four years old. And I remember watching them, and I remember watching the, the mother. You know, when it was Kyoto, they used to have a sign there that says, grill is hot, like you got to tell somebody that, you know. Um, but but the, I watched the mother look at the little girl and go, don't touch that. It's hot. It'll burn you. And then she turned and started talking to her husband. And I watched the little girl. The little girl went. Ah! Right? They had to get up and leave. They didn't even get the order. Burn her finger, you know. And I remember going, how stupid. You know. But then I think, I've done that. I've done that. I was thinking last night. I was going to tell that story, and I was thinking. I remember we were running electric fence. We had some cows, and uh, we were running fence, and, and I didn't know anything about electric fence, right? You ever run electric fence, and then you hook up the power, right? And uh, I thought, you know, I've been running this wire all day long. Grandpa didn't know Grandpa had already hooked it up, you know. Nobody ever said, hey, Casey, don't touch the fence, right? Like you got to tell somebody that, right? You know, hey man, it's unbelievable, right? Unbelievable. I, I start to respect the electric fence now. Like I got some respect for it. I had no respect for it before, but when I touched it, now I'm lit up, you know? But I think God, man, God does that to us, right? We, 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 have, we have the letters that God wrote us in His Word, His letters. I'm going to go once. I'm really going to get you right here. His love letters to us. Right? His love letters. When me and my wife were dating, I used to write her love letters. I poured out my heart in five sentences. It was incredible. Poured them out. And I'd give them to her. You know, I'd leave one in her car. You know, put one in something, you know. It's, hey, you know, she'd find it and read it. You know, what good would that be if I poured out my heart and she never read it? What good would that be? God's poured out his heart for us, church, right here. He's telling us, look, I'm going to put some stuff on you. I'm going to put just enough on you to turn you to me. Because I need you to know that there ain't nothing that's bigger than me. And the only way you'll realize that is if you turn to me and see. Church, God is able. He's able. 
I want us to look at the life of probably one of the greatest heroes of faith the Bible has to offer us, and that's the Apostle Paul, the man that wrote those words we just broke down. The Apostle Paul was responsible for taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to the province of Asia. Now, in biblical times, Asia went all the way from most of Europe all the way to uh, the Asian coast where China is. And so on Paul's missionary journeys, he goes to Asia, and it was not a cakewalk. You see, it would have been easy when God encountered Paul on the road to Damascus, him to say, hey, you're going to be my servant. Everything's going to be peachy king from here on out. Go and preach the word. That would have been easy, but that's not how it was for Paul. And I want you to read the letters that he writes in his, or the words he writes in his second letter to the church at Corinth. Turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, and listen to this. We'll begin in verse 8. This is Paul writing. He says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despised, despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the death, the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us again. On Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us. Look at the imagery that Paul uses in that, in that passage. The phrase is like, under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. We received a sentence of death. Does that sound like an easy road to you? Does that sound like God won't put more on you than what you can bear? If you read in Philippians, you'll see Paul's pedigree, if you will. All the things that happened to him. How he was imprisoned, beaten, whipped, shipwrecked, stoned. For a day and a half, he floats out in the ocean on a log. How he went without food, without water, without clothing. How he had to look at his people who would speak very nicely to his face and then stab him in the back. How he always had to be on guard because somebody was trying to kill him because he was public enemy number one. That's Paul's pedigree. It was not an easy road. But look at what he says. We went through all this so that we could rely on God, not on ourselves. I love what he says. He says, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God. Now that's enough right there, but look at, look at what he adds to the end. Look at the exclamation point. Who raises the dead. Now, I love my grandpa and my grandma, but I ain't never seen them raise the dead. They tried to kill me a couple times, but I ain't never seen them raise the dead. And they're, they're the people I look up to the most. Paul's saying, hey, man, I'm not telling you to believe in a grandfather or a grandmother. I'm telling you to believe in the God of the universe 
who raises the dead. You think, his, you think the problem, this storm you're going through is big? This dude raises the dead. He's in control. There's nothing new to him. There's nothing that surprises him. There's nothing new under the sun that's come about. No new storm that God doesn't know about or know a way out of. Hey, that's who he is. He's the creator of the universe. He's the author and finisher of our faith. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Church, God is able. Paul says, hey, he's able. He's in control, not us, but him. Because he raises the dead. He goes on to say, it's on him we have set our hope. I love that phrase. On God, we have set our hope. I'll ask you a question, church. Where's your hope? What's your hope in? What's it been set upon? Is it on the government? Is it on your material wealth? Maybe your hope is in your job. Maybe it's in your spouse or your kids. Maybe it's in your boss. All those are wrong answers, by the way. Our hope can only be in one place. One place. If we're going to be able to weather the storms of life, and that's in God. Paul says, on Him we have set our hope. The same one who raises the dead. Church, God is able. Listen to what Paul writes in the book of Acts chapter 20 about his missionary journey. Acts chapter 20, starting at verse 18, says, When they arrived, he said to them, This is Paul, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears. And in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying the good news of God's grace. You hear people talk about seasons of life. The Apostle Paul lived through many seasons, good and bad, easy and hard. Paul's life was a testament of many different seasons. And he, look at what he says here. I consider my life worth nothing. My only goal is to finish the task of taking the good news of Jesus Christ to people who don't know it. What a change. What, what a way to live your life. To rely on God so much. To, put, to know that He is in such control of your life that you're willing to make a statement like that. And we talked about how big Asia was. Listen to this. In Acts chapter 19, 
This is said about Paul's journey. This went on for two years so that all of the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Over the span of two years, all the Jews and Greeks in the province of Asia heard about Jesus. Didn't say they all accepted. Didn't say they all believed. But they all got a chance to hear about it. Even though the storms were present. Have all the people at your workplace heard about Jesus? Have all the people in your home heard about Jesus? I'd be willing to bet that not all the people in church have heard about Jesus. One last scripture. Paul understood where God needed to be in his life. Paul understood hardships. He understood trials and storms and temptations. But let me tell you what putting all your hope on God builds. It builds confidence. Not an arrogant, cocky confidence, but a confidence in the creator of the universe. Look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55. Paul writes these words. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through, the, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Stand firm and let nothing move you. Let nothing move you from God. Let everything move you to God. That's one thing that's common to all of us is that we go through storms. Trials, temptations. And I want us to take this end of this service to reflect on that as the band comes up and prepares to close this out. I don't know what you're going through. I have no idea. I do know this. Some of you are in a dog fight. Some of you here are in the fight of your life. Whether it's against sickness whether you're fighting for your marriage, whether you're fighting for your kids, grandkids. <clears throat> Some of you are in a spiritual warfare right now. And you know who you are because we've talked about it. It's the fight of your life. And guess what? Empty words like, God won't give you more than what you can bear mean nothing to you. I'm here to tell you, God will give you just enough to turn you to Him. Which way are you running? Which way are you running? Because you don't get the opportunity to stand still. You're either running away or you're running too. And there's two things I think are evident when, when, when storms come into our life. The first thing we have to do is we got to lean on Him. 
But church, I'm here to tell you, you can't lean on him if you don't know him. And the second thing we have to do is we have to listen to his words. We can't listen if we're too busy talking. Church, he's here today. Don't go through that fight by yourself. Don't try to fix that fight. That's not what the storm's about. The storm's to point you to him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. As you reflect on your life and as you reflect on what's been said, I want to ask you a question. Maybe you're here today and you don't, you don't know who this God is. You don't know who Jesus is. All you know is what you're going through right now. I'm not here to promise you that it's all going to get better the moment you walk out of here because it may not. You may leave here today and your car may not start. I'm here to tell you, though, that no matter what you're going through, He is bigger than anything you will ever face. If you're here today and you don't know Him, the Bible is very clear. It tells us if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, He is faithful and just to save you. Maybe you've never prayed that prayer, but it's so easy to do. If that's you, would you just lift your hand up? Nobody's looking. Everybody, every head's bowed, every eye closed. If, if, if that's something you need to do, would you just lift your hand up? Amen. 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 Maybe you say, Casey, I, I've known Jesus my whole life. But I got to, I got distracted. I started thinking I had it all figured out. And then I fell. I just need some prayer to get back on the right road. If that's you, would you lift your hand up? Not gonna call you out, just want to pray for you. Amen. 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 Thank you. Father, we thank you for this day, God. God, for the work that you are doing in your house in the midst of your people. God, you are so good. And you are the author and finisher of our faith. You are the one who raises the dead. God, you bring us from death to life. You have set us apart. You have called us yours. And God, for this, all we can give is a life dedicated in worship. God, I lift every person up who lifted their hand up, those who have just recently come to know you, and those who have come back home. God, we praise you for the work you're doing here today. Because, God, it ain't about us. It's all about you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.